Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. So, this morning, I'm going to take a little bit of a a break from our series through the Gospels. And I've been loving that series. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting a lot out of going through the Gospels and looking at John's uh, viewpoint of the other Gospels and his addition to the things that were said there. I, I think it's powerful, some of the things I've been gleaning from that. But I just want to pause right now and kind of play to you guys the things that I have heard. As you, many of you know, I was in Philadelphia last week, and Randy did an amazing job. I heard his talk. Yeah, applaud that. It really is a foundation to what I'm going to be talking about today. And if you haven't heard his talk, go online and listen to it, get the podcast, because it, it is so important that we recalibrate what we are doing and where we are going. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about Samuel Pierpont Langley, Martin Luther King Jr., three big words and four common words. That's what we're going to be talking about today. When I was at the conference, it was so refreshing to be in a space where there were people from so many different uh, expressions of faith whether they were traditional or whether they were progressive, all these people from different denominations meeting together with a common goal of being church and how we can be church. And some of them were actually coming from established and large places. Many of them are small, uh, starting up places. And the stories are incredible of what God is doing in so many different communities and, and how these churches are having an effect. One of the things that were put out there that I've heard before, but I had to rehear again, is imagine everyone who calls Genesis their home were here one Sunday morning. Say it's Easter, because that's usually when it happens, right? Everyone is here, and it's Easter, and we're all thinking, yeah, look at all the people that are here on Easter. This is great. And all of a sudden, a hole opened up and swallowed all of us, and we were gone. Would the city miss us. And my answer is no. Oh, sure, they might not get a couple of dogs trained here and there, right? Or, or whatever areas of life we're involved in. But our expression and influence in the community is not one that it would make a dent. And that's troubling to me, right? It's like, 
that shouldn't be the case. And, and it doesn't have to be huge, but it has to be some kind of a- impact that we're having. There's a gentleman named Simon Sinek, and he has a book called Start With The Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. And he talks about what he calls the golden circle. And it's basically starting with why. What usually happens is people start with what. Here's, here's an example. Simon Pierpont Langley. How many of you heard of him? No? Simon Pierpont Langley was pursuing powered man flight. He was given $50,000 by the War Department. So money was no problem to get a man to be able to fly. He had the best engineers money could buy. He had the best minds on the subject were all at his disposal. What he was doing was starting with what? What he wanted to do was be the person who would get a man to be able to fly. Now, he got gliders to be able to fly. He actually shot them with a huge rubber band, right? And they would go flying like 300, 400 feet, but he couldn't put a man in it. He had no way of steering it. He had all these problems that he couldn't figure out. They were doing this over water so that they could, you know, try and learn how to land safely. But every time they tried one of these planes, it would crash and they would have to build another one. But he had money. So he just kept building them, trying to make improvements and all these kinds of things. He was well-connected, and the New York Times followed him everywhere he went. But we never heard of him. Why? Because 100 miles away in Dayton, Ohio, Orville and Wilbur Wright had no money, had funny names, and had to pay for their own work from their bicycle shop, had no public support, and they are the ones who had the first man-powered flight. Not a single person who worked with them had a college education, including Wilbur and Orville. Why did they succeed and Langley fail? And the reason why they succeeded was not because of financial backing, advanced learning, public support. It was because they were driven by a cause and a belief. And they believed that if they could do this, they could change the world. They started with a why. They started with a dream. They started with, this is something that if we figure this out, Imagine the impact it will have. It was said that they would bring like five parts of everything because they would crash that many times before they would break for lunch and try it again. And unlike Langley, who was so concerned with making sure everything was perfect and everything was safe, these guys said, let's give it a try. They got in it themselves and flew and crashed. And said, okay, that didn't work. Let's think about it again. But they were driven by why they wanted to do this because of the impact it would have. It wasn't for money. It wasn't for fame. It was because of what it was going to do. And people bought in to their dream. 
It was contagious. And when they finally did the first manned flight, the news wasn't there. They had to do it again so that people would know that it happened because the Times was following Langley. And here's the thing. When Langley found out that the Wright brothers did this, he quit. Why? Because he was starting with what? I wanted to be famous. I wanted to make money. How? By making a first manned flight. He didn't have the why. Another story. In the summer of 1963 on Washington Mall, Dr. King held a rally and 250,000 people came to hear it. They didn't send out any invitations. There was no website saying when the date was going to be or what time. How'd he do that? He didn't go around telling people what needed to change in America. He went around and told people what he believed America could be. People took his cause and made it their cause. 25% of the people, the 250,000 people who were there, were white. Why would a person get in a bus for eight hours to go stand in the sun on an August day to hear him speak? Because what he believed became what they believed. They didn't go there just to hear them. They went there for themselves. Remember, he gave the I have a dream speech. It wasn't I have a plan. Right? And if Simon is correct, and I think he is just in how we think, We are motivated by the why more than we are the what. That it's part of how we make decisions. Have you ever talked to someone and they ask something and it just didn't feel right? What is that? Feel right. That's not a logical thing, but something isn't connecting. You see, we make decisions not based just on logic, although we'd like to think we do. We make it based on Do we buy into it? Is it something that is what we feel we can palate? And if it isn't, I don't feel it. I don't like it. But when we buy into it, then we say, ah, I like that. I want to be a part of that. And I think we often gravitate to the what we do. As the church, it's like, okay, well, we're going to have Bible studies and we're going to have these kinds of meetings and we're going to do these good things. But I think we're losing the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? People aren't as interested in what we do as they are in why we do it. Now, Paul... In Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, says, Finally, brothers, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That says, yeah, I mean, all those are amazing things, of course. I I want to think about those things that are true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable. But then he goes on and he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So these things are all good, but what you have heard of those things and now what you have seen in those things in me, make them yours. Let these things that we're experiencing, these things that we're living, be the things that you now make yours. And it's then that the God of peace will be with you. It's not if you just know about these things. It's when you start to live out these things. When they become yours. It's important that we see that we have to have ownership of these things. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. The word for treasure that he uses there is the word where we get the word theosaurus. It means a storehouse. It's filled with these things. Why? Because we will follow what we love. We will follow the dream. We will follow the things that have meaning to us. And so we need to ask, why? Why do we do what we do as as Christians, as followers of Christ, right? Going to church cannot be the why, right? Well, we go to church. Maybe that's why that's on the decline. More than gather together on Sundays, what is the reason we try to live like Jesus? And so I'm going to use our first big word, and I'm going to submit to you that our why, the first thing that we need to think about is eschatology. Eschatology, as many of you know, is the final events or the end of things. And and this is so important. And this was just hammered home on the event that I went to last week. What you think about eschatology is going to determine how you act. What you think about the end is going to determine what you think about today. If you think that the world's all going to end and Jesus is going to rescue and take you out of here, then it's going to affect how you live here today. You see, but I think eschatology is much bigger. It has to do with God renewing all things, right? It is the renewal of all things. We see it in Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Revelation 21. Behold, I make all things new, every government Every person, every system, every molecule, God is restoring and making all things new. That is why we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because that's what we are seeing. That's what we are moving to. That is our goal. That is the why we do what we do is because we are seeing God restoring all things. 
It's meant to be the, the compass that directs how we live, that gives us hope. It is moving us along. And you see, this is something I think we can get behind. I think people can get behind that God is doing something new. He is making us new creatures in Christ, that he is able to take broken lives, make them new. He's able to take broken communities, make them new. He's able to take the things that are falling apart and do something, all things able to work together for the good. See, if that is a why, then that is something that can bring hope, that that is something that people can say, I want to see things made new. And in fact, I submit to you that there are people who are not people of faith who are trying to make things new on their own because they know it needs to change. God's future out ahead of us, being brought close to us in the present. That's the why. As Martin Luther King Jr. says, the moral arc of the universe is long and it is bent towards justice. He's actually quoting Theodore Parker, the abolitionist. And we are here saying, yes, that new we are bringing close. I think that's a why worth following. And instead of telling people what they need to do, let's start with the why. We believe God is doing something new and we get to be a part of it. The kingdom of heaven is where, Jesus said? It's here. It's near. It's within you. It is that close that is pressing right up against your nose. That should give you chills, not just the air conditioner in here, right? That, that should make you feel like, man, if God is doing something and it is happening right now, what's he doing? He's making all things new. So that's the why. So what's the how? Second big word, pneumatology. Pneumatology is the study and role of the Holy Spirit. If we are going to be about God's restoration plan for the cosmos, how do we go after it? Because it is too big for us. We need God's spirit, God's power to help us. We can't make it happen on our own. It's God's work. It's God's dream that can only be accomplished by the empowering of God's spirit. And that's why Jesus said, wait, Till the spirit comes upon you and gives you power. Power what? To live this life, to to do the work that I am doing, that it continues now through you. Remember, all power is given to me, Jesus said, in heaven and in earth. And what did he do? He said, go. Again, that always trips me out. If you've got the power, you go. But he goes, no, I've got all power. I'm sending you. Why? Because I'm going to give the power to you. And so there is the need for the Spirit's work in our life, right? That's what we're doing here. And that's why throughout the book of Acts, again and again and again, we see they were filled with the Spirit. When he comes, Jesus said in John 16, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. See, the Spirit is doing a work. He's doing the work of renewing. And we get to be a part of that work. And so that is the how. 
It is in God's spirit. It's, and when I say in the spirit, it's not some, right? You know, I mean, love the King James translation, the Holy Ghost. You know, it's like, in God's spirit means in God's character. In God's dependence, right? It's a scary thing to have power without character. And so we need the character of God to receive the power of God, to do the work of God. Which leads us to the what. And the what was the third big word and it's ecclesiology. It means to be the church. Now, eschatology and pneumatology can seem like abstract ideas, right? Ooh, that's big. End times, spiritual. It seems very ethereal until we start talking about how they show up in the day-to-day life, in real time, in real places, right here, right now, right? Otherwise, it's just out there. It's kind of something big for our minds to, to just think about but not really have to wrestle with. But when we get to eschatology or ecclesiology, we're talking about the church. We're talking about us being a part of this work. See, it's one thing to say we want God to reconcile all things. It's another to see it show up between two people or in a marriage or in a relationships. That's where we are and where we are supposed to show up. And so this big picture starts to come home in us when we start to do the work in our everyday lives. And, and it happens. It will happen as we show up and start involving ourselves with people's lives. And it's amazing how it'll show up. I was doing a training the other day and they were asking me for some dates to to do some work with training and their dogs. And I said, well, I need to check on the schedule because my mom has radiation uh, this week and I'm going to be seeing when I take her. And all of a sudden they're, oh my gosh, you know what? And they called me later and say, hey, my friend makes little uh, slippers for people who have cancer. Can we make a pair for your mom? I said, no. Of course I said yes. <laughs> it's just right there. I didn't even initiate it. All I did was tell them what was going on. And they initiated this and it started a deeper conversation with them. You see, real life happens And we get to bring all of who we are, why we do and how we do things right here with the people that we do these things with. You see, when Jesus says you are the light of the world, how? By what you believe? Or by why and how your belief shows up in tangible ways? It's how you affect the lives and the people around you that you become the light. It's not because you believe something. It's because your belief has something behind it. There's a why to it. 
Why? Because God is doing something big and I get to be a part of it by his spirit and it is moving me in to this arena. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. That's always an intriguing scripture. And I love this translation. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been taken by storm and eager men are forcing their way into it. You see, it's not going to just fall in your lap. You have to take hold of it. He's not promoting violence. He's promoting action. He's promoting us taking the kingdom of God and making it a reality. Because we believe in the why. We believe in what God is doing. And we know that how he is going to do it is going to be through us. And we have to take that and make it happen. It's not just going to happen. We have to engage in these things to make them a reality. If we want to see transformation, we've got to take it. We have to be empowered. We have to know why. We're not doing it to make a church bigger. We're not doing it to help solve just a few problems. We're doing this because we're a part of something much, much bigger. And so I want to briefly touch on four areas where we all have life in common. And I would suggest that these are all areas where we can be present in our communities. I call them the four commons. These are the four common words. And the first one is economic. When we think of God's desire for humanity, how does it affect this area of economy? We have lived a dichotomy kind of life where there's my spiritual life and then there's my work life. Right, But if we are going to reimagine why God is renewing all things, then he is going to be renewing the economy as well. And, and if the love of money is the root of all evil, how do we combat this consumer mentality with a kingdom mentality? How do we bring this in? How can we reclaim the economy through the kingdom lens? so that it is actually something that is used for good. This doesn't have to take place on a national level. It can actually take place locally in how we start to do things. We need to think of a better way to live economically. And again, there are people doing things like this already. There are different groups, churches, groups of people who follow Jesus who are thinking of ways to help their community. And this is one of the reasons we are stepping in this direction to start this co-work space so that we can help 
young entrepreneurs get started so that we can have a voice and a conversation. You see, we are going to not only start a business, but we are going to have a culture model that we are following. How we do business is going to follow the culture, the character of Christ. How we treat people needs to be seen by the people we do business with. And so even in this small area where we're stepping out, we're trying to enhance and help businesses take place and have a voice in their lives. We're trying to change this idea of it's all about getting what you can. You got to make a living and it's the person who makes the most wins kind of an attitude. We, We need to understand that it's not okay to just make money without consideration of how and who we affect. And we need to do that in our own lives and in our own communities. Next word is environment. Now, this is more than just clean air, clean water. It's about how we live in our community. Right? How we turn an empty lot into an actual space that people get to be a part of and enjoy. How we do life together. How can we turn our building space into a community space so that we can have Pilates there, so that we can have art. There's going to be another paint class, I forget the date, later in October, where we can bring people together to create things, to create a space where people enjoy one another. This is developing an environment. How can we actually help the people who are homeless and not just give them things or enable them to stay unchanged, right? This is environmental. And and this is, again, community. And that might mean getting more involved on the city level, right? And, And you see, this is theology. Working with your City is actually spiritual work. Having an involvement with people has an impact. There was a church in Inglewood, one of the stories I heard, the pastor's name is Jonathan, I forget his last name. He started this church and he started going to the neighborhood and dealing with a lot of the families and finding out what the problems and needs that they had were and addressing them and sitting on the porch talking to them. And the church was going through financial struggle and they were going to have to close down the community started a GoFundMe for the church to keep them there because they didn't want them out of the place. People who didn't even go to the church wanted the church there because they saw the impact they were making. Why? Because he was involved with their lives. And so these are areas where we can step in and have a difference, change the environment to be one that is able to be seen now through this kingdom lens. What would God want to do in the city of Upland? What would God want to do in Rancho? And it's exciting to even think about. The next one is education. There's a lot of reform that needs to take place in our education system, but really it boils down to people knowing and looking after children. They found that 
a difference is made in a child's life just by the teacher saying their name and saying hello to them every day. And so they have some schools where the teacher stands at the door and says hello to each kid that comes in there. Just knowing that child. And some of them will have like a different handshake. Like, do you want a handshake? You want a hug? Do you want a nod? What do you want? And the kid tells them, yeah, I'd like a hug today. And then they give them a hug. Whatever the kid wants, they're letting them interact with them and making the difference. They're seen as who they are because kids are as diverse as trees, right? They come in all shapes and sizes and ideas. I mean, man, I got a few kids I interact with and man, they're different from one another, from me, and they're all individual and unique. Saguta Matra in his TED Talk speaks about how when someone just looks after a child, almost like a grandmother just taking interest, that it nourishes that child to develop an education. And all it takes is someone saying, what are you doing? Do you see how the church could step into this? And again, when I say church, I mean us followers of Jesus can just step into people's lives by asking, how are you doing? What's going on? To be involved. There, there is an opportunity for us to do something. And so it's not like, okay, we, let's start another Bible study. Maybe let's not. Maybe let's get into a mentoring program where some of you, instead of coming to a church program, go and help an after-school program. Maybe that would have more influence in the kingdom than just gathering together. What kind of opportunities are there for us to be, bring a caring ear to children in our community? I'm entertaining and I would like to do a children's midweek, a children's small group where maybe once a month we can get the kids together and instead of having like a midweek Bible study, sitting with the kids and going over some things, teaching them how to learn to be kind, uh, showing them art and helping them engage in art and see the beauty uh, that can be created, teaching them things of science, right? Helping them to understand the gospel, understand music, even as we did with quarter notes. And once a month, get these kids that are younger and just have an hour and a half where we engage the kids and have a small group for kids and just make something great. You know, it broke my heart when I heard Randy talk about how Bella doesn't like going to church and he has to bribe her with donuts. How can I make this something that kids say, oh man, I want to go. Why? Because we're going to get our hands dirty and and we're going to look at bugs and we're going to paint and we're going to play instruments and we're going to learn. Education. It's more than ABCs. We're teaching more than just these kinds of things, but it's an area where we should be involved. And the last is civic. The world is changed on a civic level. Benjamin Barber in his book, Mayors Rule the World, talks about the power of cities to shape nations, right? A a nation may not be able to address effectively the problem of pollution, but a city can. 
Do you guys remember growing up in L.A. in the 60s and 70s? Do you remember how dark it used to be? I mean, every now and then it still gets pretty smoggy, but it used to be bad. How did that change? Was it by a national decree? No, it was the city of Los Angeles put out a bunch of stuff. Now, they're not always good, the laws, right? But, hey, they made the difference. They made the change. And so now this can happen. A nation can get bogged down in red tape on how to develop the educational system or help the homeless problem, but a city can deal with it more directly many times. And it's amazing because there are some cities that have been there longer than the country. Istanbul, right? It was there before Turkey, Rome. Been there a long time, right? There are cities that have been there longer than the nation. And so changing things on a city level seems more possible and is actually more effective on a large scale. And so being involved in the civic level can actually be not as daunting and help us to see changes that we want to see. But this means getting involved. Right? And, and I'm talking to myself. I mean, all these things are things I was challenged with when I was gone, and, and I'm just bringing the challenge to us because this is what we want to do. Right? We want to be a community so that if Genesis, for some reason, was gone, the city would say, hey, they were making a difference. Where are those people who were helping with the kids? Or where are those people who were making the difference in cleaning up some of the city or in doing whatever these things? We, we miss them. That they would want us see the contribution we're making. And so the economic, we, we're staring or we're starting this co-work space, right, to help support develop the small business entrepreneur. We're, we are bringing our kingdom culture into our business practice, and we're wanting to see it grow and develop, and we want to help people. One of the stories that I heard is a place in Illinois. They bought an old uh, post, um, post office. And they turned it into a coffee shop because this town didn't have a coffee shop. And then it was so huge, he hired a a baker. And a lady came up to him and says, well, I got to tell you, I'm not a Christian. And he goes, well, can you bake? And she goes, well, yeah, I can bake. And he goes, well, then we'd like you to be a part. We'd like to see your bakery here in this space and you can use it. And so they negotiated a price. Okay, 20%, you know, the business is going to go towards the, the building and for your rental space here. And then the rest will go towards you. She goes, okay, that's fair. About six months later, they said, we need to renegotiate our contract. And she was getting all a little uptight saying, what do you mean you need to renegotiate? We want to make it 10% instead of 20 because we want you to succeed. And that blew her mind. And this past week, he invited her and her employees to his house for lunch or for dinner to have just a get-together, and she and all these other people that they're influencing are going there. Why? Because they are changing the culture where they live. Now, this isn't the way to grow fast. This is the way to grow deep. This is the way to grow 
starting with a why. Why would you take the 20% and drop it down to 10%? Why? Because we care about you. That's a different culture. What I see is God renewing all things. That includes you, and that includes your business, and I want to see you succeed. Environment. How can we imagine the space that we live in to affect the people around us, bring our creativity to develop the arts, to revitalize uh, a stagnant places that need to be changed, or just clean up some of the messes that we're in? Again, starting like art classes, Pilates classes, all these things are small. And they might say, oh, that's just a, a little class, but it's trying to contribute something, develop something. How can we make this more? What can we dream and see that God wants to change our environment? Education, how are we thinking of helping our kids to learn more than just the ABCs? Maybe developing character to know that they're loved. How can we make this something that kids would want to be a part of and then the parents want to be a part of it because the kids want to be a part of it? How can we create those kinds of things that are productive in the hearts and lives of the children that we are getting to interact with, right? If the handful of kids that we have here start coming to our our small group or our Sunday morning and they just say, man, it is so neat, they start inviting their friends. What do you think the parents are going to do? They're going to want to be a part of something that's happening, right? And and it starts with this idea of education. And then the civic level, how do we involve ourselves in our cities to be present and add, add value to what's happening? And this might seem secular, Right? All these things you're talking about, education, civic, environment, these are all secular things, but that's the point of the why. There is nothing that is outside of God's renewing work. It includes the city. It includes the education. It includes the environment. It includes all of it. You see, the renewal doesn't just happen in a building of people who believe a certain way. Renewal happens outside. You can't stop the renewal process that God is doing. I want to be a part of it. How about you? I want to be a part of what God is already renewing, restoring, and doing. We don't have to make what's happened These things happen. They're already happening. We get to be a part of it. That's the invitation. And if this is the case, why would we not reimagine the world we live in? Why wouldn't we reimagine capitalism and try and make something better? Try and make a system that has a kingdom mentality. See, it's not okay that... A woman can make more money selling her body than she can being a teacher. That's not okay. How can we change that? How can we make things different and not settle and say, well, it's good. It's not good. It's broken. How can we change this? How can we bring value to these areas? How can we bring awareness to things? How can we change how we do things so that these things don't continue? Isn't that what the world's waiting for? Isn't that what we are called to do? Not go to church, be the church. 
And my challenge to us, and this includes me, believe me, there's nothing I'm telling you that I haven't been wrestling with all week. The challenge to us is how we can be these things to these people. And I want to challenge you in your areas of work. I want to challenge you in your influence of people to be mindful of a kingdom and its mentality and not just a system. Because the systems are broken. Let me get political. That's always fun. I want to challenge you in your political system. Instead of critiquing the other party, critique your own party and how you can make it better. Because if you don't think anything's wrong with your party, you're not seeing clearly. It doesn't matter what party it is. How can you make your party better? How can I make where I'm at better instead of just criticizing, just putting, because how is it going to get better unless we make where we are at better? How can we develop anything if we are unwilling to change ourselves? And so I, I really don't care about the national level as much as I care about this level that I can affect. How can I be effective where I'm at with the people I associate with at work, at school, on the softball field, in the shopping center? Where can I make a difference? Let's be the church. Let's pray. Lord, I am so aware that talk is cheap. And it's so much harder to put my feet to the pavement and move than it is to write things out on a page or, or to speak things here in front of people. Lord, it's much easier to just send out something and expect words to change things. But, Lord, it's going to take more. You're requiring more. If I am going to be the light of the world, it's got to be in how I conduct myself with the people I am around. And I pray for your wisdom, your spirit, and your help. And I pray, God, that first and foremost, that we would remember why we are here and what we are a part of. God, that there is something incredible happening. You are doing a new work and you have invited every one of us to be a part of it. That's what it means to be a new creation in Christ. And so, Lord, may we not take what you have made us into something less. May we not see it as joining a group. May we see it as joining a revolution. 
that you began 2,000 years ago. And help us, God, in our indecision. Help us in our confusion. Help me in my laziness, Lord, not to become complacent, not to lose the fire, not to lose the drive that would push me into areas where I am uncomfortable, God, to take on things that are bigger than me. Lord, as we move into this direction of the new building space, Lord, once again, we submit this to you and say, God, it's your space. Let us see it through your lens. How can the kingdom of God show up in the places that we are going to pay for and lease? How can the kingdom of God show up in the things that we do in these spaces? And may they break out of these spaces, Lord. May they influence every life that steps into those buildings. And be contagious, God. Again, Lord, I thank you for my family here. I thank you for the diversity that is here. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here together to be part of something that is incredible. May you take what you're doing in each one of our lives and make it bigger. May you take all the personalities that are here, all our quirks and all our interesting ways, Lord, and make them holy. May we submit our will to yours and may your will be done here as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand together. May the fire of God's why shape what and how we be contagious as it is seen in each of us. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.